So there's there's been a lot of research into the use of um, teleconsultations in different areas of practice. Delighted to be here for this week's CSP newscast, um, touching the frequently asked questions by members for, from the CSP. That we we just want to make sure that we're hitting all the big hitting topics at the moment uh, in this COVID nineteen crisis. And so delighted to be here today with three titans from the CSP that have been working hard on your behalf to try and answer some of these questions. And so first, I want to go to Ewan McCormiskey, Health Informatics Lead for the UK and Professional Advisor for Northern Ireland. Ewan, thank you for coming on the show. Could you uh, give us a bit of context around what your role has entailed recently and the digital working uh, that's been going on both pre and then now during the COVID crisis? Yeah, thanks, Jack. Good to be here as well. Um, my, I've got two roles, so Health Informatics Lead for the UK, uh, and that is involved in making the most of any data, digital technology or informatics that can help to support physiotherapists do um, as good a job as they can uh, for and with their patients. Um, so that includes um, any any point in time where a patient or a physiotherapist comes into contact with any piece of technology um, during the delivery of physiotherapy, that is informatics. Um, so it's everything from use of data in terms of service improvement to using tools, apps, um, web-based platforms to deliver our physiotherapy. Um, digital physiotherapy is not a new thing. Um, there have been uh, elements of digital involved in phys physiotherapy for years, for decades, and well before now. So I, I'm not, although I might be one of the first health informatics leads at the CSP, I am not starting this uh, journey off. Um, COVID has obviously accelerated uh, the uptake of digital and physiotherapy and in other parts of our lives. Um, but, but digital physiotherapy is not a brand new thing. I suppose that's a good thing as well, is that this isn't something that we're having to scramble like some in other industries or other, other services are having to think from scratch about digital. You know, you guys have been well on with that and, and integrating digital tools for a long time. Has that made it smoother to, to sort of help members in this instance? Um. It's definitely in the less difficult rather than more easily um, kind of bracket. It, it's there still are challenges, undoubtedly so. Do you know that's that's not just at the, the physiotherapist end, but that's also at the patient end and how we we use digital tools. So it's not easy, um, but it's probably less difficult because we've been at this for a while already. Um, the other thing as well is that a lot of our physiotherapists are working in, in the NHS, so they have access to some of the hardware that's needed to deliver um, digital physiotherapy. Uh, and, and those working in private practice are already making the most of some of that digital physiotherapy um, hardware and software as well. So like I say, that there have been pockets of people who've been right up through the middle of digital physiotherapy for a number of years. There are some people who are coming to it completely new. Um, but we're learning from the people who've been at it for a little bit longer. Mm. And what's the role of the Digital and Informatics Physiotherapy Group? So the DIPG was initially an idea. Um, we had uh, our first face-to-face -face meeting at CSPHQ in London uh, at the, the early part of 2019. That was a room full of people who are um, involved or interested in any aspect of digital data, technology or informatics. Um, and then we thrashed out what we what we wanted from a group. And what that looks like now is a group of interested people. 
So the only entry criteria for the DIPG is that you are a physiotherapist or involved in physiotherapy services and that you're interested or involved in any aspect of digital data, informatics or technology. That that gets you in. Uh, and then we, we share information, we share solutions, we share challenges, we share opportunities within that group to make each other's life a little bit easier. Why it started up was, was because there were some people working in this space and I felt it would be better to have all those people linked together. What we're starting to see is some, some DIPG babies, we're calling them. So ideas or solutions that have cropped up um, between DIPG members that are really helping to revolutionize physiotherapy. Uh, the DIPG has um, getting close to 230 members on an email distribution list and just short of 2,500 people on our ICSP network channel. Um, so through those networks, we, we link people up. We're doing some work uh, within that group on behalf of the CSP, and they're also contributing to a lot of things that we're doing. But then the rest of the group also help out with their individual pieces of work. So it might be around about um, recommending a good colleague as an app developer. It might be um, helping to get some sign up um, for some from student um, surveys. It might be looking for a, a pilot site to help with some PhD studies or whatever else. We're starting just to link those people together. And that's the real, the real strength of the DIPG. I imagine that's a really active group at the moment. And so probably an opportune time whilst people are turning their, their hand to digital when it might have been a subskill is now becoming a real prominence and they're realizing both their, their strengths and interest in that area. This might be an opportune time to join. Yeah, definitely. And if people do want to join, then, then please get in contact with me directly um, through the CSP email or or via Twitter. Um, I'm happy to do that and happy to add people on there. Yes, it's an opportune time. Um, the digital physiotherapy community are probably uh, more busy and, dare I say, it, slightly more popular than they've ever been. Um, that's a good thing. But also remember that a lot of these people do have clinical roles as well, um, so that the not everybody works exclusively in a digital capacity. They may just be have an interest. Um, so yes, we're busier, but but we're still having to do a lot of our our, our day jobs too. Yeah, fantastic, and it's it's a great point as well. Just be you know because you've might have turned your hand to to these things, and you're going to experts to, for their attention and their time. They're also often wearing many different hats, and so yeah, we all need to be mindful of that. But thank you for the work you're doing on that, and certainly I imagine that's going to be a popular and important group at this at this time where where there's lots of remote working going on, both in terms of patient contact as well as then integrating within teams, etc. So thank you so much. We'll be we'll be back to chat to you later about a few of the bits on this show. You introduced stick around but first i want to go to fran hallam research into practice officer for the csp thank you for coming on the show fran would you like to just describe your role a little bit for the listeners yeah so my role at the csp is part of the um research and development team um, and so a lot of what we do is about trying to look at what evidence is available out there um, and then trying to bring it all together so that we can produce some useful and practical advice for members um, and obviously that's particularly important at the moment when there is so much information coming out in relation to COVID-19 um, and I know a lot of people I've spoken to um, colleagues have spoken of sort of having this feeling of guideline fatigue because there's just so much information to keep track of so our role is to try and bring that together um, and, and, and sort of pull it together in one place so members can access that information easily um, appreciating all of the other difficulties that they're facing at the moment 
Mm, no, for sure. And so with regards to, I think one of the things that's useful for people to understand is that these are not, we're not retrofitting evidence into these things. There's some really good underlying evidence to support the use of this. And then actually the circumstances have sort of brought that forward. But generally speaking, it's quite reassuring, I think, to members to understand that there's actually some good evidence underneath it. What sort of, what sort of areas do we, we have strong evidence to support digital physiotherapy? So there's, there's been a lot of research into the use of um, teleconsultations in different areas of practice. Um, so, for instance, we know that there's been research into areas like um, MSK physiotherapy that have shown that clinical outcomes deliver, um, patient outcomes have been very similar for um, consultations that have been delivered both face-to-face um, and remotely um, when you compare the two together. Um, there's also evidence around areas sort of, um, of neuro- neurological physiotherapy, so areas such as stroke, um, and also for the management of long-term conditions, um, and particularly when you've already had contacts um, previously with a patient and you've already got that report, then there's evidence that that ongoing support can be provided um, remotely. Um, obviously, at the moment, we're finding ourselves in different circumstances where most of our care is having to be delivered using remote consultation um, by, by remote consultations. So what we try to do is, is to pull out the points from research that are relevant to this particular situation alongside um, government advice, um, advice from NHS um, organisations and also um, working um, with experts in the area like you and was just saying, people that are already moving in this space to kind of bring together what we know from all those different sources to provide some some useful advice to our members. Yeah, fantastic. Um, um, could you just talk us through what is on the CSP's website, this ever-growing uh, resource for people? Yes, so there's, there's quite a, a lot on there at the moment. And it, like you say, it's, it's evolved over time. Um, so on the CSP website, um, you may have already seen that there's a coronavirus section. Um, and within that, there is a remote service deliveries option section. Um, and in here, you can find lots of different um, elements of advice about how to implement remote consultations using telephone and digital tools um, during the current pandemic. Um, so we've got guidance on rapid implementation. So how to implement remote consultations at pace um, and practical tips about how to do that. There are some, um, there's some advice on digital tools to support service delivery. So that's kind of more scenario based type of examples of what tools you could use. There's also um, some triage guide guidance on there, which is written for MSK practice. But actually, I think a lot of the steps within that are applicable to other areas of practice in terms of sort of supporting your decision making while you're on the phone. Um, and there's also digital case studies and member top tips as well that we've collated along the way from members with quite a lot of experience, um, as well as members with maybe less experience who are new and are trying this for the first time. And I think it's really nice to have that that range of experience on there because there will be people at all different stages along that process. Um, and also we've got examples from different areas of practice as well um, and people using different platforms, different tools. So there's a lot on there that people can can access. And there's also contact details on there, too, for these members um, who have been really generous in getting getting in touch with us, sharing their experiences and also happy for people to to kind of reach out for further advice if needed. So, yeah, we, we really, really appreciate that support from members at this time. 
Yeah, I think the testimonials, it's definitely useful for us to see these experts doing best practice examples with the innovation and, and the strategy that they've employed often long before this issue uh, has arised. But uh, also then to see the implementation from people that have otherwise only just come to it. And, and so it feels more more digestible uh, for, for Joe Bloggs member. Um, I certainly I've found that to be useful to know that it's not it's not as daunting once you see the stories of how people have implemented it. So thank you for putting that work together. And obviously, please, if you're listening to this, do get in touch with uh, those authors of those testimonials because they will help you walk through it. Um, some of the most approachable folk I've ever interacted with. So please do. So some of these testimonials coming from DIPG members, Ewan. Um, and so, as I mentioned before, it's not just the experts, but also some novices demonstrating their their expertise, both from, from them and from others in industry. Uh, how, how has the response been to the crisis from, from your end? So we've seen a, a number of... Um of people coming from industry offering their platforms at much reduced rates uh, and in a number of cases for free and, and that's really really positive to hear and it removes one of the limitations uh, of, of implementation of digital solutions where there is a limited cost or no cost for use in, in the NHS or for in different settings. No, that's fantastic. With regards to the testimonial piece that, that Fran's been mentioning, um, how important is it to get that range uh, from expert through to novice? So it's really important for a range of specialities as well, but certainly from the digital novices up to the digital experts. Digital physiotherapy does not have to be complicated. Some of the best solutions that we see are actually the most simple solutions because they just work. So it's really important not to complicate matters. Get a platform that works for you and for your patient groups and get one that's going to be accessible as well. It can be as simple as just picking up the phone. Um, yes, we can have some artificial intelligence, robotics, um, augmented reality, all sorts of these, you know, the whiz-bang things, they're great, but sometimes it's just as simple as picking up the phone or arranging a, a video conference. Don't overcomplicate matters. And it's great to hear from the people who, who don't come from a tech-savvy or, or digital expert place, um, but are now maybe seeing it that the possibilities of digital for the first time. And we hope that that COVID, um, if one good thing comes of it, it could be the spark to the digital revolution that healthcare has needed for, for years, even decades, and that physio um, can be at the forefront of the, the innovation involved in that. Yeah, thank you very much. I want to throw to Rob Ledger, who's the Assistant Director of Strategic Communications for the CSP. Thanks for coming on the show, Rob. I just wondered if you could tell us a little more as to how the CSP are using digital tools to communicate with its members during the pandemic. Because, of course, we've heard about the, the patient contact and helping members with that, but also how are you guys reaching out and how have you adapted? Thanks, Jack. Well, we knew that there would be a massive demand for information from members but we were we were taken aback by the scale of it and um, unprecedented is an is a overused word I think but it really applies here I've never seen anything like this before mm. um, thankfully we already were fully aware that members want different information from us in different ways at different times nobody is is the same in their preferences so we've already and been concentrating on a strong digital presence alongside a very popular magazine, lots of face-to-face -face contact as well. I think in this instance, um, by the nature of um, uh, a pandemic and a lockdown, face-to-face um, -face has largely gone out the window um, and digital has really come to the fore in getting information to people quickly. Um, 
I suppose at the heart of it, it's been really important to keep focused on um, what we're trying to achieve with our communications. So it's three things, really. Um, first thing is that members have got access to what they need to be able to deal with the situation that they're in. So um, information from us, guidance, pointers to other sources. Um, the second thing is that members understand that we're here, CSP is here to support them and they know how to get that support. And then the crucial thing that underpins all of that is members telling us what they actually need from us and, and what they're facing. Um, we can only guess at um, the, the reality of, of what's happening out there. So hearing what people need from us um, is, is really crucial. Um, and we're getting that uh, that input from members all the time that's coming in through our inquiry service from um, reps in the workplace um, but also we're getting it from the, the non-member um, connections that we have whether that's with um, universities or government bodies employers um, there's an awful lot going on behind the scenes there in terms of conversations that um, that give us a lot more of an insight into what we need to provide members to, to help them um, do what they do. Uh, and there's a massive task internally um, with our teams in kind of synthesizing all of that and prioritizing it and making sure that what we put out is as useful as it can be. Yeah, I think as Fran said there, some people have got this uh, fatigue, guideline fatigue going on sometimes. And, and what you guys are doing is trying to make sure you're curating that space so that people can, can focus their attention. Uh, that site again, uh, csp.org.uk forward slash news forward slash coronavirus. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong there, by the way, but I think that's right. Um, on, that, on that site, the process where you've, you've been developing those, those guidance, in terms of strategy then for the strategic communications point, how how challenging has it been to, to make sure that there's the right of depth and, and amount without it becoming too cluttered? We, we knew it was going to grow. We knew it was going to grow rapidly, but we didn't know what the priorities were going to be. So we didn't try and prejudge anything. We started off really small. Um, we I think it's probably only three weeks ago, but it seems like a lifetime now. Um, we had a couple of pages in a coronavirus section and we just made sure that people knew where that was and that all of our messaging across email and social and everything else was driving people back to that section. Um, I reckon we've got something like 100 pages on there now um, and our digital team have been working around the clock to, to keep that easy to use. They've restructured, I think, four times over the past three weeks just as more and more information comes in there. Um, and we're, we're listening to what members are telling us, what they can find, what they can't find. If there's anything that's important that they can't find, we're adapting what we've got to try and bring that to the fore. And we, I mean, I talked about the scale of it. Um, we've seen an extra 350,000 um, views of pages on the website in the past month, which is just completely unheard of for us. <laughs> yeah, unprecedented. There we go. We should keep a count on this. <laughs> So what's been really important here is um, is using the website as a first port of call for members. Uh, we've got fantastic inquiries team and advice services that answer hundreds of questions every week um, for members. But um, if everybody had come to them with a massive um, increase in um, understandable questions that they've got, um, 
the teams wouldn't have been able to cope. So we've tried to um, give members quick access to the most common um, uh, questions and guidance um, so that the inquiries team can focus on where there are more complex issues and um, where they, there are more personal circumstances that they can you know, add some extra value on top of the, the standard answers that we've got. Yeah, fantastic. What other ways have the CSP adapted some of their methods of communication for their members in terms of frequency and style? Well, one of those, I suppose, is our um, our email offering. Um, we normally produce um, our physiotherapy news email every Thursday. That goes out to about 50,000 members um, as a digest of uh, the new content that we've produced or what we're seeing going on in the profession and the related world. Um, but a couple of team members um, came to me very early on and said, actually, once a week just isn't going to cut it here. We're, we're producing, you know, eight or ten different really important areas each day. We've got to be able to get this out to members more quickly. Social media is great for that, but only for the, the um, share of the members that use that as a as a priority way of finding things out. So we tested a, a daily summary email that was really simple, really quick to produce, and would just take people through to the main things that had changed um, in the last 24 hours. Um, we tested it, we sent it out, and it got the biggest response we've ever had to any email. It was just extraordinary. Um, and we've produced it pretty much every day, um, every weekday since then. Um, we're reviewing it, we're keeping an eye, eye on the figures, what's popular, what's not. Um, and when it's no longer useful, we'll switch back to the weekly one. But for now, um, it's really serving a purpose. No, fantastic. At this point in time, and not just in terms of the frequency in which people will engage, uh, but also the disruption to people's lives has meant that people either have more time or less time or just the different time of day in which they are engaging with news media on professional issues. So how have the CSP been producing and using different multimedia strategies to reach them? Well, podcasts are pretty new to us. Um, and we've certainly seen that um, your team, Jack, had been um, very successful uh, in... Uh, uh, answering that demand um, uh, for members, and we thought it would be fantastic to to use the expertise that you and team have got in um, helping us reach people that um, uh, podcasts are just a, a preferred way um, of getting information across. Um, we just want to reach people in as many ways as we can, or at least ones that are useful to them. So it's great to have your expertise on board to, to help us um, get out to members through podcasts. No problem. I understand there's an extension into then video webinar as well as other uses of, of social media in the pipeline. Yeah, we've been running webinars for for quite a while, um, but it's not been um, at the centre of what we do. Um, but I think uh, in a lot of ways we're seeing normal practice being redefined um, over the last few weeks. So undoubtedly, as people have become um, more used to uh, using Zoom and everything else um, and uh, webinars instead of meetings, um, we undoubtedly will go more in that direction. Um, I think the, we've got to sit back when we get through this or when we get to a quieter stage in this and look at what we've learned from the ways that people are changing and their engagement. Uh, and that's certainly going to um, help shape what we do in the future. 
obviously there's a, a large um, part of the strategic communication that we would do across the network across the country would be uh, around certain events and, and, and across different departments within the CSP do you envisage in the future there going to be an interface between digital and in-person events in both the medium and long term I think it's got to go in that direction um, we've long been looking at how we can involve more people or give people more access to some of the larger events that we've been running um, we've dipped our toe in the water before but I think it's inevitable um, it helps in so many ways it increases reach it means that we can be um, more efficient more effective um, in terms of uh, use of member subscriptions um, and it means that we can do some new things that just weren't possible before so yeah it's it's all up for grabs really all right fantastic well, thank you rob i want to bring you back in you and as well as get rob's take on this as well but the promotion of the orca app library what does that mean and what does it mean to members so the uh, rob and i and others in the csp have been um, in discussions with uh, the people at orca for best part of a year now uh, about the idea of an app library it was always a an you know, in plan that it was going to be launched, um, but we brought it forward as as another way of um, our members being able to respond to the COVID crisis. The app library itself is linked through from the CSP website into Orca's platform, and what they offer is a search through all the available and uh, reviewed health and social care apps. So there's about 365,000 at this point, but there will be an awful lot more coming in the next few days and weeks. Um, and what it allows uh, our, our members to do is to search for the most appropriate apps for um, that the part of physiotherapy that they're practicing in, the patients that they're working with, and allows them to um, filter in or out paid for or free apps as their wish so that they can recommend apps with confidence to their patients to support self-management of a number of conditions or through their rehabilitation. Oh, fantastic. And uh, Rob, in terms of the, your remit with strategic comms, then how important is it that people are using things like these these apps that are sort of tried, tested and, and approved? Well, I think it's absolutely in line with one of the, the priority areas in the new CSP strategy. And um, digital leadership is, is right there at the top. Um, so... Um, helping members to um, evolve the way that they practice is is crucial. And we couldn't have produced uh, a service like this on our own. And so we're working with experts that can um, do that work for us to, to give members the confidence that they need to um, make sensible so selections about apps that help them, but ultimately give better patient care. Um, so we're trying this out. Um, we really want to hear from members as to uh, how useful they're finding this, um, what would make it more useful for them. Um, and uh, you and I have, have got a chat a chat with the, the team at Orca to, to really work out how we're going to run that evaluation process. So there'll be more coming out on that very soon. But it's, it's, there's absolutely no point in us doing this unless it's useful to members. So we, we need to understand that and, and shape the shape the offering for them. Yeah, we certainly want some frequently frequent feedback to meet the frequently asked questions to try and help refine your guys' time to make sure that you're playing it into the, the right directions. And so, yeah, just on that point, talking of feedback, um, it would we really, really um, would appreciate members getting in touch with us to continue to, to provide um, their input around what they're doing in terms of remote consultations, um, which patients they're using it with, who it's working really well with, 
um, and how they're going about it, because that will help us to drive further research in this area. Um, obviously, we have some research in this area, but that, that tends to be driven by um, clinicians and patients who are quite tech savvy and are quite used to using these mechanisms. But in this current situation, we're all having to adapt and work differently. So it gives us a real strong opportunity to kind of take a broader look at this area uh, and to kind of develop further learning and further knowledge about how we use this going forward as a profession as part of our practice to enhance it. And such a such a great example of how we're all in this together and we all need to feed back and the leadership team and, and structures within the CSP are producing materials, but please help augment that with feedback, with evaluation and contribute uh, so that we can get through this together and, and maximise our impact on the healthcare of society, but also look after each other in these difficult times. Ewan McCormiskey, Fran Hallam, Rod Bledger, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.